February 25th. Our reading in the New Testament for today will be from the book of Mark, chapter 24, and we'll go through chapter 8, verse 10. And here's what we'll find there. We'll be reading about distance. Jesus healed both the centurion's servant and this woman's demonized daughter and did both from a distance. Both were Gentiles, not Jews, and the Gentiles were at a distance spiritually. But Jesus would erase that distance at the cross. Now, as you pray for those far from you or far from the Lord, remember that He can send His Word and do mighty works. We'll read about deliverance. The miracles of healing uh, the deaf man and healing the blind man are recorded only by Mark. Both were in Gentile territory, which would interest his Roman readers. Both were performed away from the crowd, and both were performed despite difficulty. The servant, capital S in this regard, the servant can work at a distance or when we bring people to him, and he does not fail. And as we move into chapter 8 here, the book of Mark, we'll be reading about defective faith. The disciples didn't know what to do with the hungry crowd, yet they had seen Jesus feed the 5,000. They apparently soon forgot His works. They did not wait for His counsel. Each work that He does should encourage you to trust Him to help you solve your next problem. Keep a long memory for His mercies and a short one for your failures. And now let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. February 25th, Mark chapter 7, verse 24, through chapter 8, verse 10. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He tried to keep it secret that he was there, but he couldn't. As usual, the news of his arrival spread fast. Right away, a woman came to him whose little girl was possessed by an evil spirit. She had heard about Jesus, and now she came and fell at his feet. She begged him to release her child from the demon's control. Since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, First, I should help my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, That's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are given some crumbs from the children's plates. Good answer, he said, and because you have answered so well, I have healed your daughter. And when she arrived home, her little girl was lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. Jesus left Tyre and went to Sidon, then back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him to a private place away from the crowd. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then, spitting onto his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue with the spittle. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and commanded, Be opened! Instantly the man could hear perfectly, and speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. For they were completely amazed. Again and again they said, 
Everything he does is wonderful. He even heals those who are deaf and mute. About this time, another great crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. And if I send them home without feeding them, they will faint along the road, for some of them have come a long distance. How are we supposed to find enough food for them here in the wilderness? His disciples asked. How many loaves of bread do you have? He asked. Seven, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, and gave them to his disciples, who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found, too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to pass them out. They ate until they were full, and when the scraps were picked up, there were seven large baskets of food left over. There were about 4,000 people in the crowd that day, and he sent them home after they had eaten. Immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of Dalmanutha. Psalm 41, verses 1 through 13. We'll see as we read today, as David lay sick, he looked back and recalled that he'd been merciful to others and had helped the poor. This encouraged him, for he knew that God would help him. God is merciful to those who show mercy to others. When you're in pain, it's good to have a clear conscience to encourage you. Then David looked around and saw that his enemies were gossiping about him and wishing he were dead. Even his close friend turned against him. If this happens to you, keep in mind that it also happened to Jesus. Greater than the pain of sickness is the pain of having a treacherous so-called friend. And finally, in his uh, looking around, uh, David looked up, and that solved his problems. No matter what others may say, God was well pleased with David, and that was all that mattered. Let David's enemies spread their gossip. God would raise him up, hold him up, and brighten him up with the light of his countenance. Sometimes how you feel depends on where you look. Dead orthodoxy means that you have the cardinal doctrines, but you're dead. Now, how does that happen? How can you have all these cardinal doctrines but be dead? You see, when it comes to the cardinal doctrines, and what are the cardinal doctrines? The authority of the Bible. The Bible is true. The sovereignty of God, that God is personal, and he's infinite, and he's holy, and he demands a righteous behavior on our part, and his law shows us that we fall short of that. Jesus Christ, who's uh, not just uh, some uh, low angel, but rather is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity himself, who came to earth, became a real human being, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, so that by his death he pays for our sins, and by his perfect life there's a righteous record ready for us. The Holy Spirit, who is a person, the third person of the Trinity, the Father plans, the Son executes, and the Holy Spirit applies the work. Okay. 
And his job is to come on in and radically regenerate and recreate us as we should have been if we'd never sinned or fallen away from God. And then you have faith itself, which is a very important doctrine, and that is that a person can receive from the Spirit and from the Father and from the Son all these great provisions. We can have Jesus Christ as our Savior, and we can be completely pardoned and completely treated as righteous in His sight when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and not in our own works and not in our own performance. That's what we call being regenerated or born again through faith in Jesus Christ alone. What are those things? Now, a lot of you have heard that called the gospel. Well, it is the gospel. What it really is is the cardinal doctrines that, you know, as, as much fighting as all those different denominations have done over the years, they have not managed to disagree about those things. All the Protestant denominations in the beginning began with a commitment to the fundamental cardinal doctrines that I just enumerated. Every Protestant denomination, all right, you hear that? Dead orthodoxy really has to do with people who though they believe the gospel, the cardinal doctrines I just mentioned, and they, they have given their lives to Christ in a fairly general way, and I, I, let's just say these are real Christians from what I can tell, and yet they have not got any real grasp on how they can live the gospel. Now, I put a little quote here that I probably mentioned before in the past. My church's professor, Dr. Richard Lovelace, says, much that we have interpreted as a defect of sanctification in church people is really an outgrowth of their loss of bearing with respect to justification. I'll explain this. Christians who are no longer sure that God loves and accepts them in Christ apart from their present spiritual achievements are subconsciously, radically insecure people. Now listen, big words. Justification means that the day that you believe and make Jesus Christ your Savior, you are made just, you are made righteous, you are legally treated as a perfect person. That means your sins are pardoned, they're blotted out, you're no longer liable to them. Sanctification is the gradual growth and obedience that you give to God as you seek to live like Him. You, you try to obey Him, you try to love Him, you try to love your neighbor as yourself, you try to be a better person. What Dr. Lovelace is saying, dead orthodoxy results when you base your sanctification on your justification or your justification on your sanctification. It's the latter. It's, it's, this is multiple choice. Letter B, dead orthodoxy results. I mean, this is one of the main things I've learned in the last 15 years, in a nutshell, all right? For what it's worth to you, it's, it's changed everything for me. Dead orthodoxy results when I basically, psychologically, day-to-day, -day, base my justification on my sanctification. Vitality, power, freedom comes when I base my sanctification on my justification. Not my justification, my sanctification. What I mean is, just what he says. When you believe you're just, when you believe you're acceptable, when you believe God hears your prayers, when you believe God loves you and accepts you because of your sanctification, because of your present spiritual achievements, because I'm trying and I'm doing a good job and I'm, and I'm coming to church, when that is the basis for your standing with God, you are a radically insecure person. You may, you may look moral, you may look religious, you may come to church, but you do not have that assurance of God's love because you never can be good enough. 
you are very sensitive to criticism and therefore dead Orthodox churches are full of people, radically insecure, and they're full of gossip and they're full of backbiting and they're full of fighting. People who cannot be told that they're wrong. Because if they're wrong or they failed or they sinned, that, that brings into question their whole standing with God. You, are, you see this? And therefore, Christians who are basing their justification on their sanctification are what we call dead Orthodox people. And here's this, something else very, very important. Every time there's ever been an awakening, every time there's ever been a revival, somebody, maybe the preacher, maybe some lay people, but the doctrine of justification by faith alone has dawned on them in a new way, and they say, oh my word, all of my life I'd heard that I was saved by faith alone, but I never really believed it. Always, even though I, I intellectually said I believe I'm saved by grace, basically underneath everything else, I, I acted as if, and I worked as if, and I operated as if psychologically I was really saved by my good deeds and my spiritual achievements. Dead orthodoxy will kill you spiritually. Psalm 41, verses 1 through 13. For the choir director, a psalm of David. All oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them in times of trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and eases their pain and discomfort. O Lord, I prayed, have mercy on me, heal me, for I have sinned against you. But my enemies say nothing but evil about me. How soon will he die and be forgotten, they ask. They visit me as if they are my friends, but all the while they gather gossip. And when they leave, they spread it everywhere. All who hate me whisper about me, imagining the worst for me. Whatever he has, it is fatal, they say. He will never get out of that bed. Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. Lord, have mercy on me. Make me well again, so I can pay them back. I know that you are pleased with me. For you have not let my enemy triumph over me. You have preserved my life, because I am innocent. You have brought me into your presence forever. Bless the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives forever from eternal ages past. Amen and Amen. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 15 and 16. The wealth of the rich is their fortress. The poverty of the poor is their calamity. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin.